0: Hey, folks, welcome back to the DC3 cast. My name is Brian with me, as always, are Vince and Zach. Um, Either thank you for subscribing to our Patreon or sorry you didn't subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, I'm trying to make that joke of like the I'm sorry that happened to you or congratulations text thing. Um, Anyway, we are here with our regular show this week to talk about uh, the week's comics for the 31st of August and the 7th of September. We just picked out sort of the books that made the most sense to talk about for those two weeks, and we combine them together together into sort of groupings because there are two sets of books that have two issues that we feel we should talk about. So starting off we're going to talk about the first two installments of Fear State. Batman Fear State Alpha, written by James Tynion the 4th and illustrated by Ricardo Federici and Batman 112, written by James Tynion the 4th and illustrated by Jorge Jimenez. Um, Vince, you've been the most down on this Bat status quo. So I want to start with you. What did you think of the first two proper chapters of Fear State?
1: Um, well, the, the the alpha issue is like, let's not make any bones about it. It's just a catch up. So if you hadn't read the previous arc, extremely decompressed arc, um, it catches you up on everything. And for somebody who's already read that and already read all the tiny and stuff to this point in Batman um this issue is just not for me because every page seems to be a just you know hey here's what the deal with Harley is right now here's what Catwoman's doing right now and to top it all off it's it's in an art style Federici that you know it's already well established I'm just not a fan of that general art style that that painterly kind of stiff style just i know there are people that like it um it's just it's just not for me so that issue the alpha issue is a bust for me but for somebody who either likes that art style there's a lot to like or for somebody who needs to get caught up before fear state i think it does a great job of doing that um it actually just goes to show I mean, maybe I'm being unfair, but it goes to show how little actually happened in the last arc. I think I feel that way. Um, I still think
2: you're wrong about that. Well, yeah. How much happened. Just not to Batman.
1: <laughs> okay. I agree to disagree. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a good catch up. The first issue of the event, um, Batman, what, no, what number was it? 112? 112, yeah. I mean, I think that's great. I think that issue was awesome. Um, I think it hits the ground running. and I think um, there's a few things that it does that, that open up potential storylines for the for the arc. I say that knowing that, you know, in an issue or two, I could easily feel like uh, like it's stringing us along again, especially if we're reading, I don't know that we're going to talk about all the tie-ins, but of course I'm going to read all the tie-ins. And so, yeah, I mean, I could see this easily getting bogged down, but, but, but as a first issue of, a you know, mini event, I think it did quite a good job.
2: Zach. I liked both of these. I mostly agree with Vince about fear state alpha, except, there, there are like a few scenes that move the plot along, like the scenes that we get with uh, Oracle and the Batgirls, even though that stuff then kind of gets addressed again
1: i was just gonna say in batman
2: you, 112
1: if it's not addressed again you know it will be. you know there will yeah. be some character explaining the thing you may not have read if you didn't get the yeah option.
2: yeah that happens that that definitely happens in in batman 112 um we get the explanation of that and then some of the stuff with um harley and ivy and ghost ghost face killer what's his name ghost hunter ghost maker. Ghostmaker. Gosh. He's I can't. Ma- he's making ghosts. Like yeah. Okay, ghost maker. I'll never remember that.
0: I feel like I feel like every single time we do this, one of us calls it ghost hunter, ghost killer. There's always something that's not ghost maker.
2: Yeah. Um he's a good character. I like him still. Um but yeah, and the art, the art in the alpha, not not my favorite don't i don't hate it but i definitely don't like it um really and i'm kind my, of like
0: a, sorry oh, uh, know, i was just go gonna, gonna say that you know i i probably like that style the most of the three of us which does not mean i like it i just think that i'm maybe the most tolerant of it and i was like this is fine until i opened up a page of him and s's comic and i'm like oh no this is what this is supposed to look like okay yeah.
2: this yeah. is this is the the Gada ghoul
0: yeah exactly yeah
2: yeah um so yeah moving over to the to batman 112 and the S stuff is much more to my taste um but i think to like vince's point about you know kind of how the pacing of this event or the story is going to be i think at least in the main batman title i'm pretty optimistic i think you know we i think it's going to end up being about six issues um which is about as long as Joker War was, and I felt like that was really tight and well-paced, and I kind of think Tanyan will do something similar here. Um, and now that we know that this is sort of the end of his tenure on Batman, I'm I'm kind of really excited to see how he wraps it all up. Um, so I, I have a lot of I have, I have a lot of hope for this event. I think it's a really cool idea. I think that Tanyan has done a really good job of like. Steering the story to this point and, and setting up all the stakes. And I really like all the moving pieces. Um, It feels like very grand in scope in that way. Like, you know, you have, you have the stuff going on with the magistrate and peacekeeper. You have the stuff going on in the underground with Harley and Ivy. You've got the stuff going on with Oracle. Um, It's just like, it feels very high stakes, and fun, um, so I yeah I I really like this a lot in general.
0: Yeah, I think that the stakes are an interesting thing to bring up there, Zach, because while we are used to having bat events that feel like the entirety of Gotham is is depending on this event turning out the way you the way it's supposed to, or the way the way that Batman wants it to, I feel like oftentimes the stakes can be so big that they cease to feel like anything at all because they're just like if every if every week is the universe being destroyed, it's hard to take that seriously. But this seems like the stakes are very practical. Like it's it. This isn't that a, a bull at uh, a boulder. A meteor is falling from the sky and it's going to hit Gotham. This is very much a Gotham is turning on itself type thing. And I think that's just for some for whatever reason for me, that makes it a more that, that makes it easier to involve many bat characters in it and have them all have stakes in the story. And it also isn't going to lead to six months of them rebuilding Gotham, which seems to happen after every bad event. This seems like maybe that sort of stuff can be kept to a minimum, sort of. So I do find this to be an interesting event. I like the idea of Scarecrow as the main villain. I think Scarecrow has been a a pretty criminally underused bat villain. He's he's there a lot, but he's not always used very well. And Jimenez is just fucking killing it on this. I can't get over how good his pages are month in and month out. And so that's why the alpha issue didn't do a ton for me. was because, like you both said, it was a lot of recap, but it's also a lot of relatively just fine art, right? It's it's fine. But this, the combination of the relative uniqueness of the story and the impact across Gotham and the amazing art, I'm I'm very excited for this for this event. I think it'll probably last too long because all of these last too long. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I I am pretty excited about where it's going to go. Well, um, I
2: am glad that it. I mean, it is double shipping at least. The Bat Book is so. I mean, this is going to be done in November. Yes, which. Is better than, you know, February or something.
0: <laughs> yes, we can thank Tynian quitting for uh, <laughs> yeah for this being nice and short. Um, is there any, is there any of the bat titles that are involved with this that you're particularly interested to uh, like see how it affects? I'm mostly excited
2: for, or interested in Harley and Catwoman. Because it seems like those will play pretty heavily into the Ivy storyline, mm-hmm. which is maybe the one I feel the most interested or invested in. Um, yeah, that's that. That's what I would say.
1: I'm uh, I'm I'm gonna read them, but I'm honestly not too interested in in this being a a, a tie-in affair. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm. Yeah, there's nothing I'm looking forward to in particular about those. The The storyline that I'm most interested in that has the most potential to be either extremely cool or be really lame and predictable and and, and blow up in the story's face is this uh, takeover of Babs' uh, transmission system, the Oracle system. Mm-hmm. Um I find myself being really invested in seeing who that is trying to figure out who's taking, taking it over. Um, if it is an established character versus a new one. Um, and and then the thing that I could easily see happening, that would be just so lame if it were is if it were the freaking Joker (laughs) or something
2: like that. Um, I know that there's been like solicits about this anti Oracle character, but I don't, I think like the reveal is going to be a pretty big thing of, you know, who, who they actually are.
1: I hope so. I hope it's the, uh, pre crisis Babs that ended up as the time trapper in zero hour. Zero hour.
2: Wouldn't that just be <laughs> the craziest thing? I've I'm
1: been, I've it. been, I've been saying that that character should come back for like, a decade now so <laughs> it's never gonna happen
0: i mean based on stuff we're gonna read later a lot of old crisis characters are coming back Ow! so you know never say never my friend now i
2: actually think that's gonna happen i think that's gonna be the reveal
0: oh that would rock that
1: would that would it's not, but that would be so cool. No, so if, I think
2: it is. Here's, you, my, here's my
0: problem with that. That filled me. <laughs> uh, the problem here, with
1: that is that nobody knows the reference point.
0: No, not that. What I was going to say is the problem with, um, with that story for me is that we just, in Batgirl, like, I think it was Cecil Castellucci's Batgirl, just had an imposter oracle. Yeah. Like that, that was the thing that literally happened like a year ago maybe to absolute maximum. And that that just seems like there's no reason to have the story happening right now, given how recently we've had this exact story before. Yeah. By the way, can you guys
1: believe that there is not a Batgirl title right now?
0: I have to believe that it's going to be a Batgirls title and that they're waiting for a creator or something. I mean,
1: I think you're right, but like Jesus now, how many Like that sort of idea was teased even before um, future state. And now how long has it been? You know, like
2: didn't it kind of seem like Williamson was going to be maybe taking that, but now he's doing Batman or different books. So
0: I wonder if that will (sighs) be the backup in his Batman. Make it a real book. God damn it. Oh, I'm with you. Trust me. Um, What I was going to say, though, is I feel like, you know, DC is legion, (laughs) God bless you, to have. Have. I'm sorry? Couldn't mute in time. No. (laughs) Uh, No, I I feel like DC is constantly hyping books like this that are supposed to be big deals that just don't happen. I mean, JSA is supposed to be coming back since 2016. (laughs) You know, it's just i mean, i'm I'm, I'm talking about my collar the way you're talking at your collar here, but you know, <laughs> but still it's just like that's supposed to be happening you know there there this is something that happens a lot, and I think that the idea of a Batgirls title is better than what unless you had really the right creators on that project, I feel like I don't know I could see that being a very disappointing book. let me put it that way because I think we all have such high expectations for that. Yeah, So I'm hoping that DC is mitigating that by by making sure they have the right creators on it. But yeah, I mean, I just can't believe there's not a book period, you know? Yeah.
1: Even if it's, even if it's bad or whatever, I don't know.
0: I mean, again, we've said this, you know, hundreds of times in this podcast, but it is wild that right now the CW has a, uh, a Batwoman show without a Batwoman comic a mm-hmm. Supergirl show, show that is that an ongoing Supergirl comic. There's there was that one comic called Legends of Tomorrow that was like a shitty anthology, but which wasn't
1: think, even. Yeah, that was not even nothing, really nothing to the, with show the show at all. It No, was, no, it was a way to wrap up a bunch of books that got canceled or something. Yes,
0: exactly. You know, um, there was a Black Lightning show without a Black Lightning ongoing. Like it's just and I know that's not I know there's not as much of a correlation as we like to think between those things. But there's more correlation than zero between those things. Mm-hmm. There's no reason that those books shouldn't exist. So the fact there's not a background book, that's surprising. But given given the lack of other books, you think DC should probably have. I don't I don't know if it's that surprising. Any other uh, fear state thoughts? No,
1: um,
0: at what yeah, month are we going to so. at what at what month are you going to be decrying this being too long?
1: Uh, the very the very next time we talk about it. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, I, I will be saying that, yeah.
2: You might say it.
0: Yeah. I think you're probably gonna be
1: saying
2: it. Just blame uh, it on Substack. I, yeah. I've
1: changed my mind. I'm already sick of this. Okay. <laughs> I got I got to the Clown Hunter uh, backup and saw the big muscly Joker from oh,
0: Asylum. We got to talk about that. No, we do want to talk about that because <laughs> that the was art fucking in that dope. is really good. That yeah. was so good. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yeah, Jason Howard, great.
0: Did you what, not, do I know story?
2: Jason, what do I know Jason Howard from? Did um, he do a
1: great baseball player, maybe you know, five, oh, seven years up. ago? Um, Philadelphia Phillies, I believe. Oh,
2: okay. I was afraid no. of that. I thought this no. is what I knew him from a- Atlanta,
0: <laughs> Atlanta Braves and then the uh, Cubs. The he, uh, really? he worked no,
2: on No, Phillies. Okay. Jason Hayward. I'm, actually, Jason I'm Hay- trying to talk about comics. Is it with Jason Hayward or Ryan buffoons. Howard? hey oh you i'm two. thinking of ryan Howard.
0: that's the phillies hey, you yes. too <laughs> oh you're the worst hey i have to sit through fucking pokemon chat every five <laughs> goddamn minutes not let us talk a, about
2: baseball not on the show uh, really vince and i would never
0: we're Please. we're professionals <laughs> go ahead why do you know him and why is it problematic he worked on the creator owned
2: series trees Oh yeah,
1: mm. tugging at my collar again.
2: Yeah, <laughs> but also the astounding Wolfman with Robert Kirkman.
1: Um, that's just embarrassing. <laughs>
2: I'm.
1: I don't even. I don't even know what to. I'm. I'm making the completely f- flat horizontal face emoji, with just the mouth that goes completely horizontal for that one.
0: Uh, all I'll say is that uh. A certain person not named Jason Howard from that book uh, stiffed us five bucks at a multiversity party once. <laughs> Maybe it was ten bucks. I think it was five bucks. Oh, my uh, my uh, My phone just talked to me. Mm.
1: It's Warren uh, Ellis calling you. Exactly. <laughs> Choke you through the phone. Cancel me. Um, I'll cancel no. you. <laughs> No, the the art was great in the backup. The story was fine. I mean, not 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 good or bad. I just, I guess, I don't, I don't know. I don't mind Clown Hunter. I just don't think the story did too much with him. Well, it was and very
0: also short. It, it was like it's really short. Yeah,
1: yeah, and also just goofy appearance of that of that video game Joker, that banged up Joker, um, which. Is I don't know, just weird. <laughs> it's a weird
0: reveal. Um, it's what he's I, the most afraid of, I guess. The the one the one decision that somebody made with Clown Hunter that I'm shocked has now carried through all of these different issues is that his uh whenever he is speaking or thinking, it's all lowercase and it's in a different font than the rest it's, of the characters it's because he's
2: from the Ultimate Universe.
0: Okay, that's probably why. Yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Um, but I'm just, I'm just surprised that that decision has carried through. Usually, those things are introduced and then are just kind of quietly dropped. But it's happened in every appearance he's had, I think, so far.
2: What if Bendis does Ultimate DC? That would be funny.
0: No, he's not doing that because he's too busy doing uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. You heard it yes. here first. No, His that's Lawrence both... Fishburne. With <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne. Yes, he's oh, that's totally what it is. Lawrence Fishburne <laughs> is plotting. Bendis is scripting. Yeah, and uh, who's who's going to be drawing that? Uh, J.R.J.R. Well, you can actually <laughs> see. So you know, on the
2: top secret thing, you can see the first and last letters of the names. And is it Eleni? It well, it looks a lot like it could be Eleni, and then the artist I can't remember. I think it ends with like a K. Um. I don't remember what it starts with.
0: Here here here's my legitimate new thought, which would be so crazy. Uh it's Jeff Johns and Jason Faybach.
2: Yeah.
1: Oh my god. That the only thing about that is that they would not write that book. They
0: wouldn't do that book. I don't think. I mean, I think the fact that Johns is still the showrunner on Star Girl is probably more of a reason why that's not <laughs> happening. But you know, <laughs> you, you know, you know what's wild?
2: I was uh looking
0: through
2: a review copy of uh, the latest issue of Geiger, you know, John's yes uh, creator-owned image comic, and there's an ad for the Stargirl TV show as the back cover of that book, which is very
0: funny to me. That is funny. <laughs> That's, it's actually kind of shocking. Uh, I mean, that used to happen a lot when it was like Marvel and DC, because they would buy ads in the others comic for like their movies and stuff like that but it's weird to mm-hmm. see that in an image comic mm-hmm. yeah anyway isn't it isn't it weird
1: that marvel's just doing infinite frontier
0: i mean this is what happens one company does something the other company just blatantly copies it right? I mean, it's wild yeah yeah i mean do we know that it's infinite frontier no but
1: no but like timeless being like the the team from Timeless is very much setting up to sound like the um the Justice uh, Incarnate. Justice Incarnate team. You know, it's like I a similar similar concept of these like alternate That's Avengers Forever, though. Oh, okay. I'm yeah, sorry, I'm conflating the two. Timeless yeah.
2: is the Kang Kang thing.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm confl but the whole thing is kind of Timeless, right? Like, isn't the status quo being called timeless? I thought timeless was just a book. Okay, well, whatever. I might be wrong. You, I don't know. I'm I'm just basing that off of the the uh, <laughs> teaser it of the teaser image, which has timeless as like a word on the timeline, with all yeah. these books branching off of it.
2: Why are yeah. we talking about this? Well, we're a Marvel podcast. I've succeeded. <laughs> no. Fuck you.
0: All right, let's get to Black Manta number one, written by um, Chuck Brown, illustrated by Valentine Delandro. Last seen doing uh, the uh, Mr. Miracle book, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of Delandro's art. I think this book looked fantastic. I think that Delandro, with Melissa Louise coloring him, especially is really, really a nice combination. There's a splash page. I think it might be actually the, the title page of the book where Black manta's is like jumping over a the side of a ship and just the way the colors and the Landro's illustrations, it's, it's fantastic. I think this is a beautiful looking book. That's kind of where my praise for it goes away. Um, I don't think there's a ton here that's all that interesting. I also think there's a whole like weird B story that it took me till halfway through it to realize it wasn't like a flashback or forward to another to this to to Black Manta doing other things because Delandro's style is not super detailed in facial in faces. So it's kind of hard to tell like if these characters are supposed to be characters we know before, they're new characters. There's not a lot of information given on the page. So I just felt like it wasn't, even though it looked really good in terms of the, um, the panel construction, all that I don't think the storytelling was necessarily all that clear. And a big part of that falls on the scripts. And that's unfortunate because I like Chuck Brown's work in general. And uh, yeah, I had higher hopes for this than I got out of this. Uh, Zach, it sounds like you weren't a huge fan of this book either.
2: Well, no, I really liked the art and I thought there was a lot of like cool stuff in it, but I don't think I can tell you what happened in this issue. Like, broad strokes maybe but like you were saying it it is it is indecipherable at points i think the 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 black manta section with him and the pirates and his um partner make the most sense but then the the b plot with this villain mr blue who isn't who who is just uh, like, I don't know this. He does <laughs> so many different things in this issue. It's it's crazy, um, and it, and but it it doesn't it 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 ties into the Black Manta story with this stone that's not really well explained. Um, people start having migraines all over the world, and and then the issue ends with this this character who breaks out of stone and starts fighting monsters with a flaming sword it's so like nonsensical um i i just like i I was kind of amazed that this comic was even published as it is just because it is almost indecipherable
0: vincey what you think
1: i guess i liked it a lot more than you guys um now that that last segment is supposed to be fairly I mean, you are not supposed to know what's going on in that last segment. Now you can argue whether you can argue whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, and, I, and I do tend to think like it for if it's setting up something that you're going to learn in the next issue. They did spend a little too much time on it. I mean, that's like it's like five pages or something uh, with this character that you have no context for yet. Now, if you read interviews with Chuck Brown, you, you can figure out who the character is. But, but yeah, you're right. That 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 is an indecipherable segment of the issue. I think intentionally so, but also the the pacing there kind of
0: doesn't help at all. Was I alone in not realizing initially that Mister Blue, because he's kind of he's like masked up when you first see him? Did anyone else think that was just Black Manta in another like pulling a job as someone no. else?
2: I did at first, and I thought it was really. I was like. Does Black Manta do magic now? Right. Yeah, like, that's, that's yeah, I felt like too. I, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I I didn't think it was Black Manta at all. I thought it was some some other.
2: I I thought it at at first until yeah. we had that until we jumped back to Black Manta. Yeah, exactly, Zach. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: Okay. okay. Well, I don't. I don't know what to say about that then, because
2: uh, Vince just has better reading comprehension no, than we do.
1: No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like <laughs> you can see how if I didn't think that, then no, would...
0: I, I, I don't, I, I don't think it was, I, I don't think it was necessarily like an obvious thing that we missed. But I think if you were paying attention, if you just, you know, it's a coin toss. Basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's yeah. very little context to go off of.
1: Yes. Right. I guess I just assumed it wasn't black mana because it was a guy in this van with like three other stooges that he was, you know, the guy, it it just, it, nothing told me it was black mana. And so then I just didn't think it was. So So I
0: guess, I guess to me, the the confusion came from it didn't give us, like usually I I feel like when there's a shift in perspective in a book like this, there's a very clear understanding that you're not flashing back to the characters doing something else. You know, did, did that make sense? Yeah, I feel like there wasn't enough context given to where this new thing was happening. Oh, well, it was Metropolis. It says right there. But like you, under, you understand, <laughs> fuck off. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? I'll show you Metropolis. Um,
2: <laughs> how How wild is it that they bring back human flame? Yeah.
1: Yep. Um, kind yeah. of. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I like that segment quite a bit. I think like in a way it's in a way it's Chuck Brown, just trying to create like a, an overpowered villain, right? Like mm-hmm. sucking up all, but I, but I think it's cool. It's very comic booky that he like has these stooges along for the ride. And then he turns to him and is basically like <laughs> your soul is mine now. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like I, it's not high art for sure. (laughs) I'm not saying it's like incredible or anything, but I think I had a better time with it because just by chance, I didn't have the problems um, with clarity that you guys did. Um, I certainly see what you mean. I just didn't like, if if you read them and you don't encounter those problems, you just, you just accept it as what it is and you, you're not confused then, you know, that doesn't make it good or bad, but I, I had a good time with it for how silly it is. I think I think it leans a little too hard on also trying to make black manta like a layered complicated villain, you know? Um but I think I think anytime you write a mini series about a villain that's what you're going to get.
0: Um, and I think specifically not... black manta has since the new 52 there's been this I I think push to have him be Aquaman, he's always kind of been Aquaman's most identifiable enemy, but I feel like they want him to be the most deep enemy. Yeah. And I, I don't think it I think the best time it worked was um was that in Was that the most recent Aquaman run? The one uh, where
2: there was like
0: where his dad was like uh, in the uh yes, that yeah, was. That
2: was yeah, his dad was in the Ava.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yep, yep. Because there was a right, there was a guest writer whose name I cannot recall right now, who was doing fill in issues in the middle it of was the in Kelly. In the Sue Kelly Sue run, yeah. Yeah. The, the, that stuff was pretty good. Um but anyway, like I, I think what I'm worried about is that not necessarily Chuck Brown, but DC might be trying to take black mana in the like. Anti-hero direction, where he's he's like another like Harley or Poison Ivy or God forbid Deathstroke, you know. Where like soon enough he's not going to be a villain. He's going to be a like an anti-hero ally, and then there'll be some other, you know what I mean. And I think
2: don't you you feel like that could be a plot point in Aquaman two or something that they're wanting to synergize with? Oh boy! But also, I mean, I mean, I,
1: I, I have nothing against it in concept it's just that there there are almost too many of those now you know
0: oh i agree but i also think this isn't new for this character i mean again you know we're talking about aquaman in in our new 52 project mm -hmm. soon and in that book like when he's captured amanda waller wants to make him part of the suicide squad and he won't do it because you know like i so i i just feel like that's they've been they've been seeding that unsuccessfully for 10 years now
1: I guess so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I definitely don't. I I want him to be a sympathetic villain, but I I don't know that I need. I mean, unless they pull it off incredibly well, I don't, I don't know that I need like a anti hero villainous anti hero. You know, there's a difference right. between a sympathetic villain and a, a villain in name only. You know, a vino. A vino. <laughs> oh. uh. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, the art was beautiful, too. Um, man, I yeah, we were talking about how the, the Federici style is just not what I prefer when it comes to comics. The Valentine Delandro style is much, much closer to my platonic ideal of what a comic should look like. You know, it's 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 pretty clean. Um, and you're right about the colors, Brian. Uh, they just pop. And a lot of that has to do with the, with the very clean art I think the, that, that uh, Marissa Louise is navigating around, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes together really well. Questions about the clarity of the storytelling. I mean, like I said, it must be a coin flip because as I was reading it, that stuff didn't occur to me, but I guess I can see when you guys explain it why you might think certain things. and, and you're right, the script and the art and the way they work together aren't aren't necessarily doing you favors in that regard but you know i it didn't
2: blow me away but i i'm i'm willing to see where this goes who uh we can bleep it out if you want but who who is that character supposed to be
1: oh i i believe that is a, a new character named torrid and i think it's like a ancient uh well, obviously, like a, a character okay, who's so, been
2: like... So it's not someone that I should recognize. No, so. no, 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 no.
1: It's okay, a new character. Okay. It's a new okay. character. It's just uh, Chuck Brown has talked about them in interviews, but I don't believe they name her in this issue or really anywhere else. Um, so anyway.
2: Oh, very relevant point, though, to somebody mentioned the New 52 Aquaman run. Uh, mm-hmm the dr shin cameo yes
1: yes dr shin's all over that book
0: yeah i thought that was pretty funny agreed agreed any other notes on black manta
2: i think i'll end up liking this i just didn't like this first issue that much (laughs) hmm it felt like it needed to be this was a rare case of an issue that i felt like should have been oversized like it should have been the first two issues
1: uh, then i wouldn't have liked it though yeah
2: probably
0: <laughs> as usual i would have fallen somewhere between you two all
1: right let's take a that's break what, that's, what, that's what the extra house is for
0: yeah <laughs> Let's take a break. And when we return, we'll talk about uh, the Green Lantern Annual and the final two issues of Infinite Frontiers. Stay tuned.
2: Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow in iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show.
0: And we are back with a discussion of the oft delayed, but finally here, Green Lantern Annual Number One, written by Ryan Caddy, illustrated by Sammy Bossery and Tom Derenick. Zach, I want you to start us off with this one. What did you think of this, Jessica Cruz? becoming a sinestro core member story
2: i liked this a lot i would be fine if we never saw hal jordan again he sucks <laughs> <laughs> he was unbearable in this issue both
0: um in his dialogue and the way he was drawn um the the tom the, the tom darenik page is here and i like darenik typically but they don't hold the candle to the Sammy Bosri stuff. The Bosri stuff is very nice. Um,
2: yeah, this, this this is very cool. This is a, this is a really good status quo change for Jess, and the, the way that it's played is is just really good. The the stuff between her and Sinestro is very good. This is a very good Sinestro. I think mm-hmm. probably mm-hmm. best Sinestro we've gotten in a while. Um, I want an ongoing of just this yeah can we get like a yellow lanterns book
0: what's crazy to me is that we had a uh <laughs> red lantern book <laughs> yeah. yeah for <laughs> 40
2: issues or so
0: it was 40 issues yeah plus
2: uh, all the extras
0: and I want to say the Sinestro book lasted like nine issues, maybe. No, it was longer than that, I think, but was not it? not
2: much longer. Um, actually, no, I think it was quite a bit longer. Let me check.
0: Uh, but still, like, you would know the fact there hasn't been a Sinestro core ongoing is kind of crazy.
2: Sinestro ran for, uh, yeah, 23 issues.
0: Fuck you, really? Yeah. Wait, <laughs> hey, we're gonna have to cover that at some point <laughs> oh god damn it no um yeah wow wow i i did not think it ran that long yeah it did it it most assuredly
2: did it it went up to, it went longer than some of the other books. It Like, because, you know, most of the books ended at Godhead, or yeah, actually, all of the books, except for Green Lantern and Sinestro ended at Godhead. Um, Sinestro went all the way to the end of the New 52, I believe.
0: Wow. That's crazy. Regardless of that, I feel like this needed to, this status quo needs to have an ongoing book, or at least a mini series set in this, in this world, because it's not in this world, in this status quo. It's just, it's so, it is such a refreshing take on Jessica and on Sinestro. And I feel like this is the first time that we have seen the Sinestro core where there are members in it that aren't Sinestro. And maybe, um, is it Lissa? What's her name? Drack. Drack. Lissa Drack. She's with it. Yeah. Aside from like those two members and their brief period of time where Sorin Yat- Natsu was uh, a yellow lantern, like there's actually characters I want to spend time with now in the, in the Sinestro core. And I feel like that's a, uh, that hasn't been the case for a very long time. So I, I, I want more of this. I think that this is the best Jessica has been written maybe since she was introduced and I'm going to say this is the best Sinestro has been written since he was the titular character in Green Lantern. I, I can get behind that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Vinci, what do you think of this? I loved
1: this. I absolutely loved this. Um, I agree with what you guys said about the art. Um, I do like Darrinick in in other arenas, not necessarily in the Green Lantern stuff. Um, Sammy Basri's art, I'm, I'm a fan of, um, <clears throat> but the to me, this story is exactly what I want comic books to do storytelling wise, which is take these <clears throat> disparate, sometimes extraneous feeling characters and elements you know jessica cruz is a good character that dc just i either didn't seem to know what to do with or took her down a path that like kind of boxed her into a corner that getting shoved off in that justice league odyssey book that had um so many ups and downs didn't help you know um but i think when you take these elements that seem extra or extraneous and turn them on their heads or give them a twist, find some new Avenue for the character to go down. It's what I've been talking about with Tim Drake, right? Like if Tim has been lost in the shuffle, then, you know, aside from all the other reasons that it's good to have a bisexual Robin, right? It also gets Tim out of the potentially out of the doldrums of just being another Robin they can't really find an identity for. Right. Sure. Um, same thing here by making Jess a Sinestro corn member, all of a sudden you have this like push and pull where you can play with the characterization and you can make Hal like a, I love that character bit where like, you know, Hal's always been a rebellious one. And so He's gotta be like the 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 firm upstanding member of the Green Lantern Corps who says, you know, this isn't a good idea. But then like also on the sly, he's like, I'm in your corner, but I'm gonna be watching you, but 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 look, I get it, you know, like all of that stuff. Zach, you're right. Like Hal is a huge asshole in this, but that is the that's the role Hal should be playing now. I think Hal should be like the the square dean of the <laughs> college or something you know Hal should be the one where it's like he's always going uh, uh, uh,
2: God damn it McGarnagle! (laughs) I want your badge
1: (laughs) I want your badge at my desk tonight you know whatever Like uh,
2: you make such you make a really good point and uh now I'm thinking about how great the natural evolution of Hal's character would be for him to become the guardian yes oh that's good yeah
1: like, like make him be like, cause, cause you're right, Zach, like he's generally not likable, especially when you, when you write him as this like egotistical antagonistic type, you know, brat, like hothead. But if you also made him like a- antagonistic to the younger characters, almost hypocritical because he used to do stuff like this himself. Right. Like back in John's Green Lantern run, he would have been the first one to like take a yellow ring and, and been like, well, I'm, I'm I need to get the upper hand on Sinestro. So I'm joining the Sinestro. Corps, well, he, he
2: did take a yellow ring in the, in war of the Green Lanterns.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. True. So, you know, it's, I think it's a good role for him. And I think you're right. Like again, character push and pull here with Sinestro. Like we know Sinestro to be a bad guy. And yet, he's giving Jess a compelling reason to maybe be part of the Sinestro core. And yet there's layers to that, that we don't get to see yet. And and it's fun to peel back that onion. So like, this is the stuff that smart writers can do with these characters that seem to have hit dead ends. And all of a sudden there's all this storytelling potential that God, I hope they just don't waste, you know, like you guys said, this should be an ongoing book. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I I really love this just because all of a sudden it opens up this entire new set of possibilities.
0: I would even be fine if there was an, an ongoing book just called Lanterns, and you would get like a six issue yellow lantern story, and then you would get a red story, and yeah. then you would get a blue story. Just just you it's know, the only way we'll get a blue lantern story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, for real. But you know, you know like I- just in general, having I, I, I can understand if you don't think that one of the other cores is interesting enough for an ongoing, but you can do interesting things with the different cores.
1: Yeah. Even if they didn't want to do it as an ongoing, I, I think like with the Aquaman titles, if DC is kind of tipping their hand that, that maybe they're willing to do more of these miniseries that are very much in current continuity, but are miniseries... If they want to do that with this that's fine too you know it reminds me of a lot of um there were a lot of books in the in the 80s kind of around crisis i'm thinking of like a, there was a red tornado book i'm pretty sure um just these there was an aquaman miniseries actually back i can't remember if that was late 80s or early 90s but it was only four issues and it was the only aquaman book at the time. Mm-hmm. Like if that's the way to get these stories that you have these like ideas for out there, you'd want to commit to an ongoing series. Just do, just do a mini of this and I'll be glad to read it. Um, just don't let it, don't let w- what's happening to the Batgirl's potential. And I hope they make a series out of that, but don't let that happen to this too. You know, I mean, these are, I, these are good story ideas.
0: I pitched this back when we did our like limit the line to 20 issues. The twenty books uh, experiment a while ago, but DC has had a number of books like this in the past. They should bring back Showcase, like Showcase ninety one or whatever those books were. Like it was, it would be a couple of stories that would run throughout, you know, a few issues. There'd be some one shot stories in there, and you could you could use it as a place to test out new things, and you could use it as a place to tie up loose ends for books that got canceled. And I just think that if DC did more stuff like that along with the with the miniseries and all of that, you wouldn't be so reliant on needing every book. Like you're saying, Vince, you don't need to have a successful ongoing to have a successful story. Mm-hmm. And DC needs to give more opportunities for those successful stories. Yeah. Uh, there was a like uh, coming soon teaser at the end of this. I wouldn't be surprised if this is something like when the main Green Lantern characters get back together, instead of having the book split between the Jon Stewart story and the um, Joe Mullen story, to have it split between like the Green Lantern story and then the Jessica story. Mm-hmm. and like, or, just, or just as a straight backup in that book. Mm-hmm. I'd be fine with it either way any other I, uh, sorry yeah, I,
2: I, I was just gonna say I, I would like for it to get its own thing but i i understand if it doesn't i think this is more interesting than the green lantern book honestly
0: i think it all works together really well
2: it does work together really well it does um but i think this is like even cooler and more interesting than
0: like the joe malane stuff in the green lantern book which i like All right, well, that brings us to the final two issues of Infinite Frontier. Infinite Frontier number 5 was written by Joshua Williamson, illustrated by Paul Pelletier, Jesus Marino, and Tom Derenick. Infinite Frontier 6 was written by Williamson, illustrated by Zermanico. So, Zach, you had texted us in Lad's Chat that there was a panel that was going to make me crazy. Yeah. <laughs> what what panel was that? Because I didn't I was I was kind of I joking.
2: It, I was kind of joking. You might not have even caught it and you might not have interpreted it this way, but it, it's an issue six where it cuts away to Mr. Bones rejoining up with Checkmate and implying that Checkmate is happening concurrently with Infinite <laughs> <Planet> Frontier. <laughs>
0: yes, that uh, I I did I did notice that. Uh that it didn't drive me crazy though. So no, I thought it would. I thought it would because <laughs> you complain about it all the time. Well, it drives me crazy, but <laughs> that particular panel is not because me... because at least at least it's an attempt to connect them. Sure, sure. Yeah. So I was mostly I was mostly joking
2: um, about a thing that you that you complain about a lot. Um, so you can mostly
0: ignore that. I think by the way, I've complained about it twice, just just saying. Which is you you've complained about it every time we talk about checkmate, which is three times. It's just twice. Is it just twice? I don't know. I believe so, yeah. Doesn't matter. Um, so I I was lopping this shit up with a spoon. There is so much in here that is just the best. Um this is this is why I read DC comics for these big stories that touch on the multiverse and bring back characters from crises in the past. All of this stuff is exactly my shit. What did you guys think of this?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we've been saying about like how many different elements or I've been saying how many different strange elements Williamson is pulling together and yet not a lot of surprises are happening issue to issue. I think that's still true about issue number five, but issue six was, was full of good stuff, full of, full of good moments of surprise and good character work and, and twists and teases. And, and yeah, it, it left me with a huge smile on my face at the end.
2: Um, issue six was much better. Um, also, it was all drawn by Zermanico. Yeah. Yeah um yeah i think this book probably could have been shorter than six issues i say that about every book <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, this is also like another case of where i almost feel like you could read the first issue and the last issue and be mostly okay <laughs> um there's a little bit in the middle that you need for context but you know the you got zermanico book ending with issues one and six you know doing all of the art for that and and it gives it a little bit more panache a little more prestige you know um issue five i don't have a lot to say about issue six was not so um and i do have a little bit to say about how i think like i'm i'm a little tired of just the the need of the merited narrative to keep relitigating crises <laughs> and like reevaluating them and recontextualizing them as a means of like making up for like bullshit story decisions over the years, you know, and like cleaning up everything. I think that part of me is like this is a story that never Needed to be or should be told But then on the other hand I'm like Oh but it's actually very Cool <laughs> you know Yeah um, So we can we can go off On that Well that's exactly it Zach Because like
1: <clears throat> Right infinite frontier is supposed to take Us to this point where okay every, Everybody's back everything's happened We're good now and then a certain somebody shows up and is going to take that to an even further extreme. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And in a way like there's a hint that that could be meta commentary about going too far in the other direction, but there's no guarantee that that's what Williamson actually means. And, and what I mean by that is so that the reveal is pariah um, is at the end of the sixth issue. Right. And he's going around talking about, you know, we're going to stop apologizing for the past and we're all going to be happy no matter what. And it seems like he's creating distinct Earths for every character to live out their perfect histories or perfect continuities.
0: It's a black and mercy flower.
1: It is. Yes, ex- except for everybody on
0: their own planet or whatever. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's the black mercy flower meets the Mormon understanding of heaven. Got it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. and and the commentary there is you know dc no matter what they do they face this criticism that like okay your latest event fixed this this and this but this this and this are still not back yet you know and so it's almost like williamson is saying like fine we're all going to be happy you're everybody is going to get exactly what they want but maybe that's not a good thing because now all of a sudden all, all these histories don't make any sense and they're compartmentalized and, and it's, you know, I don't know if that's what he means by that, but that's how I read it.
0: I I read read it too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, Brian go off. I've been talking too much. Well, I was going to say to me, the most interesting part of this is the part I was least personally invested in when Darkseid is talking about bringing back something from an original crisis, mm. I was like, Oh, it's the anti-monitor obviously it's the anti-monitor. No, it was the great darkness. Yeah. Um, I don't have a huge connection to that story, but I think it's a really interesting way for Williamson to to circumvent what you think is going to happen it's, it's a nice misdirect. Right. But it's also connecting a piece of D.C. lore that we haven't seen in a very long time which is good. That also seems to me like a way to maybe get Bendis's legion back into some sort of prominence. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot here that is very interesting going forward. Wouldn't but- it be
2: wild if that is the reason that the book's been delayed for so long is that it had to tie into this or coincide with this? I actually think that's what's happening. Yeah, I do not. <laughs> um, I, I do. And I'm here for it. That's actually, that's very cool.
1: So you think that's going to be Bendis' crisis then? Like he's going to get yes, a crisis absolutely. and that's it? Yes. Oh man. It's the Great yeah, Darkness
0: Crisis. It's not the Great Darkness Saga now anymore. It's the Great Darkness Crisis. Oh fuck. That could be, that could be exactly right. That is, I'm, I can... is, call, called my shot here.
1: <laughs> because that's, that's doing what Marvel does when they take something that was a title of one event and <laughs> yep. they just do the event again. Oh, you're
0: right. The great darkness crisis coming 2022. God um, damn. And that that also allows Bendis to do a crisis that has no impact on the modern books as it takes place a thousand years in the future. <laughs> um, well, you know it will time. I, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Uh, but so I, um, I am, I mentioned this all the time. I'm doing a big JSA reread. And one of the things that happened relatively recently in the reread is that so Power Girl goes back to Earth Two. She is sent to Earth Two by Gog from uh, uh, Kingdom Come, mm-hmm. and she gets there and she everyone's like, "Oh shit, she's back! It's awesome!" And then another Power Girl shows up and is like, "What are you doing here? This is my Earth." And and it, the reason behind it is that Power Girl is from the multiverse that was wiped out by Crisis Infinite Earths. Mm -hmm. And there's a new multiverse, but it's not a restoration of the old multiverse. It's a new multiverse. So in this, in Infinite Frontier 6, Barry Allen goes to the dead multiverse. Multiverse dash two is how it's how it's um, indicated, which is a hilarious way to
2: do that but yeah yeah
0: but like i i thought that that's a that's a concept i have not seen explored anywhere that that would still be that there would even still be remnants of that right so again i think that's that's williamson plucking an interesting idea out of out of dc's history like the great darkness like pariah and putting it all together the other thing i do want to say here is that there's a lot of this that feels like crisis on infinite earths in superficial ways, specifically like the JSA that is uh, put together here with Adam Smasher and Wildcat being Yolanda Montez. All of that is very like Infinity Inc. era uh-huh. stuff. And that was a big book around the time of Crisis. And I feel like uh, the director Bones from yes, Infinity. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of Infinity Inc. stuff. And I feel like that's that's an example of like corporate synergy because those characters not Bones yet, but like Yolanda Montez is the secondary lead on star girl, right? So there's, I feel like this is a good example of DC just bringing back cool elements, but also having an eye towards making sure that maybe people were watching star girl, get a, get a little bit of a taste of, of this stuff. You know, I I just think it's, this is a really well, I think Williamson is really good at doing this exact thing at sort of plundering from all different eras of DC and sort of across the media landscape and putting together a book that appeals to guys like us who are fist pumping when pariah shows up but also are understandable enough for people who are relatively new to this stuff or at least I, mean, I, I, I don't I'm sure every comic is someone's first comic I can't imagine anyone's first comic being Infinite Frontier 6 you know that would just be a, a, a huge mind fuck here but I think that for the most if you're familiar with DC at all you can follow the story yeah. Although had knowing Crisis and Infinite Earths is certainly a help here.
2: It is definitely. I really feel like it actually is like almost required because you there's so little context for some of the things that are happening here, um, and even like understanding like you really kind of have to know a bit about like pre-crisis history to know like even you know what the Great Darkness Saga was. It, I, yeah, it is. It's so. I mean, they're not necessarily deep cuts because, like, obviously, people like us all know what is being referenced, but
0: they kind of are deep cuts too. They're medium cuts. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> this is greatest hits side two. Yeah. Yeah.
1: A um, couple of art things. I. Zermanico is so good. Um, he's so good at the like word art in the text the sound effect art i feel like he does that like a dozen times in this sixth issue and it's just fantastic every time just these huge bubbly words that are like you know i I don't i can't even tell you what some of them say because i don't have it pulled up
2: right now but you know what i mean there's like a really big one that's like crack a which yes. is like very good yeah
1: yeah, and instead of being separate, they really are like, they really are swirled into the art in, in in really like, you know what I mean? They're they're not like yes, somebody else doing the lettering and and separate from the art. They're they're integrated in a way that uh, is really unique. And then the other thing is when he does those, like the um, Earth Flash one pre-crisis berry flashback part um, that stuff is just it looks so good the coloring's great yeah. the flats the, yeah
2: the, the great darkness reveal I thought was very good where like it's that huge splash page that is just like dark side and everyone in the bottom left corner and the rest <laughs> is just darkness like it's so minimalist but it looks incredibly good yeah
1: it's dope yeah it's 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 really dope this is
2: like i said Um, this is all i care about from dc what, what do you what do you think about the the villains that were kind of highlighted in that dark side epilogue with um it looked like i think that first one is supposed to be trigon and then there's the upside down man oh yeah uh eclipso and necron
1: yeah, I couldn't tell if that was a tease for for villains we'll be dealing with in the future
2: or if it was just a kind of generic pan to various villains. Well, it's, it is pretty interesting that Upside Down Man was also in Green Lantern Annual. In Jess's story. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, no. no. Well, maybe I did, but I just don't. Yeah, it was in one of the splash pages where Jess is using like her fear sensory powers or whatever to like Search for people in fear or whatever, and, and he was in that panel or in that page. Oh,
1: dude, things could get really cool if this is actually <laughs> this is actually synergy and not just an accident.
2: I mean, I feel like that has like such an obs- relatively obscure character. You know, he's only relatively new, has
0: only been used in Tinyans Justice League Dark. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Ooh. so here's what I want to talk about to sort of close out this discussion. I feel like we know Justice Incarnate starts, Justice League Incarnate rather, starts in November and is a six-issue series. Do we think that the third part of this is going to be the Great Darkness crisis? Or, or, or whatever that story is, even if it's not called that, is that the third part of this? Or is that the fourth part of this, like even further down the road? I, I kind
2: of think that. I, I kind of think Williamson might have like one more part
0: in this see I kind of think it's going to be the third part and then Williamson's going to close it out
2: hmm. interesting okay yeah
1: I don't know when Williamson talks in interviews
0: he talks about how there's like a, a three part structure right am I, am I correct I don't on that I know he's said multiple times this is the first part of it I don't know if he's ever said how many parts it is
1: OK, and he said that the uh, Justice Incarnate is the second part. Yeah, we have to get him on the show soon. Yeah. Yeah, because then. Because if, if he did, if he did say somewhere, I feel like I remember him saying that there's there's three parts to it, or maybe I'm just conflating what Hickman said about that. No, so.
2: he, he definitely said it. it OK, uh, yeah, he said it.
1: OK, well then I feel like that's him writing three parts and then it may, it may lead up to something Bendis does or something somebody else does. But I feel like he wouldn't say that unless he was in the driver's seat for it. You know, I could be wrong, but I feel like, I feel like that means three parts by Williamson. Then maybe he steps away unless plans change. And if you're right, Brian Bendis does his crisis.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, all right, well, Vince, you're not going to be ready for this, but what comes out next week? Oh
1: man, um, next week being the the 14th. Yes. <sighs> <Damn it.
0: clears throat> That's four days after the 10th. Can you I'm vamp st- for I'm a little bit? I'm in here. Yeah, Shut it's up, a six days before the 20th. I'm vamping. I'm vamping. <laughs> vamp better. uh, uh, uh It I'm, really I, is almost like we did this bit every week. It's really I almost did. like that. <laughs>
1: <sighs> the problem is, is I don't even know how to find this anymore because Comic List isn't reliable anymore. You got to um, go to
2: the the comic book nerds of the internet. Yeah. What's it called? The league, the league of the league of comic uh, geeks. Fuck, comic fucking eat, nerds. Comic <laughs> be- <to eat>. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. I'm gonna find it before Vince. Uh,
1: no, I got it. I got okay. it. I got it. But this is Comic List, which I've found to not be reliable anymore but i'm just gonna say
0: it don't say okay. it that's ba- batman- raw <laughs> 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 i was about to say that and zach beat me to it and i'm just laughing at how the three of us have been so fucking poisoned in the exact same way and i love it yeah our lads chat is getting very eerie yes um, okay i've got it
1: batman the detective number five Batman: Urban Legends Seven. Oh, um,
2: that's the that's the Batman Beyond one.
1: Mm, cool. Is that's the one with like all different Batman Batman stories? Yes, yeah. Yes, ba- yeah. Batman. Batman. Um. Yeah. Future State Gotham number five. Oh, is it just me or does DC publish a lot of bad books? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I am Batman number one. Uh, Joker number seven. Um, Superman and the Authority, number three, uh, number three, uh-huh. Superman, Son of Kal-El, number three. Uh, Wonder Woman, number
0: 779.
1: And what is Titans United? Is that anything?
0: That is a book that I thought was a digital first book, but turns out it's not. Um, but I, I think that's one of those like, like Chip Zdarsky's Justice League book. Oh. Where it's not really in continuity, but it's kind of in continuity. Kevin Scott. Writing. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I don't
2: know. We'll maybe check it out. But yeah, no, that does remind me. I, I did like the tease in Infinite Frontier, suggesting that Roy is going to end up doing Titans things.
1: I guess mm. he's looking over at the tower.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, we should mention that October 16th is DC Fandom. Mm. who's getting dome at the fandom? every one of us uh friend, every friend the podcast, single one of us james of course james is first in line for that <laughs> um you yeah. gotta give a lot of <laughs> a lot give. of people give <laughs> <laughs> god damn it uh anyway you can find two-thirds of us on twitter i am a brian is an app and I am at Walker Fox. If you need to find Vince, he is um, he's researching some, some, some classic films um, <laughs> of a certain vintage. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah. The one that started it all. <laughs> Good
1: night. And it, it, it's very famous in that arena, I should say.